0: Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And I'm your host, Gary Turner. I'm also the founder of HexoChange. And HexoChange is a transformational change practice dedicated to helping you connect yourself to others and to systems at large in a more meaningful way, thus helping us turn around our workplace and planetary challenges and accelerating how alive we all feel in every aspect of our lives. This track is called Kaleidoscope and was created for me personally and for Hexo Change by Peter Griffiths, one half of the amazing Mind Takeaway. I hope you enjoy this exploration and please do share it on your social platforms so we can bring more humanity to more people. Hope to speak to you soon. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And oh my goodness, I've got an amazing human being for you today in the lovely Brooke Errol. Brooke is founder of Purposeful Business and author of two books, indeed co-author of one which is From Hierarchy to High Performance, and she was the author herself of her book Create a Life You Love. Welcome to the podcast, Brooke.
1: Hi, how are you? Good to see you, Gary.
0: It's wonderful to see you. And I think just for those that are listening, you're going to hear a lot of love in this conversation because... Brooke and I met via the wonderful Humans First movement that Mike Vacanti set up a while back, but we've met in real life, Brooke.
1: Yes, in London. I love it. I remember it. (laughs) It's
0: just just so amazing, though, isn't it, how this movement that Mike started just over a year ago is actually resulting in real-life connections as well. It's amazing.
1: Yes, yes. And we wanted to make it happen, and it did. So like I don't always travel that much and I don't always get to meet a lot of people I met in human first but it happened with you It just was supposed to happen I guess so so glad to have met you in person there.
0: Oh likewise well look as we get going for those people that may not know you yet Brooke could you maybe just give us a, a little bit of a lowdown so how did you get into this space of purpose and why does it matter so much to you that you help organizations be more purposeful?
1: Sure thank you for the question Um, I'll try to cut it short, but like the first memory that I have about questioning about my purpose in life really happened when I was still working at IBM in my early twenties. And at the time, nobody was talking about it. So this is long time ago. So, but I still felt like I needed to know what I'm doing and how it's helping others instead of just looking at my daily tasks. So although when I said it out loud, nobody, like everybody was looking like I was crazy. So I had to do my inner work and I did try to find what I'm doing at IBM in the terms of what my biggest purpose of working there is. And that made me feel a lot better than just looking at my daily tasks. Then I mean, over time, I also always question, okay, what's my purpose in life? Is this work aligned with who I am? And I really found out it wasn't. So my search for my purpose in life went for a long time. I did quit my job, but then I also looked for other jobs as professional. And at some point, I met someone as a career coach who really went, took me through a process. Of finding what I'm passionate about, what my strengths are, my gifts are that I can share with others. And I said, Oh my God, this is perfect. This is what I want to do with others. So my works really started with first search for my own purpose, then helping other people individually to find their purpose in life, which should be aligned with their work, hopefully. And if it's not work, it could be their hobby, something that they don't make money from, but it's okay. And then When I work with so many, I realize there's too many people who have so much potential and they just feel so miserable at work. That made me really feel really sad that there are so many people out there, just like what I felt at IBM and maybe even worse, unhealthy, unhappy people. That's when I started the purposeful business because I wanted to make a bigger impact instead of just doing one-to-one work. I said, if I work with leaders who understand the value of purpose in the work environment, then it will make a bigger impact on so many more. So that's my short story, and maybe it's not even short. But yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's very succinct, Brooke. Do you know what I love about what you've just spoke to? I, you know, as you introduced yourself, you spoke early on about that doing the inner work, yes. and I think that's the part for me that quite yes. often is missing. Now, you know, from my own journey that it took me many, many years to realize there was even inner work to do.
1: Sure. The same, same. Yeah, I think inner work is such a big part of it. So that's why people like you and people on Human First or people in my network have always, always done some self-work. And that's what we need with the leaders too. It's just not enough to say, okay, this is the type of leader you should be in this time. It doesn't work that way unless they're willing to do the inner work and ask the most important questions to themselves it just doesn't happen I at least I don't see any good examples where it happened so yeah
0: interesting and what, what I find lovely if you look at your sort of educational background the different job roles you've done so it's been marketing self-development yes. leadership coaching positive psychology like you are an absolute learner you know you're continuously yes. learning new things have you have you always stayed curious right throughout your life Brooke?
1: Yes. And I feel like this is, I really feel like this is so part of me, the natural curiosity and the learning part of me, but I feel lucky to be that way because I feel like everybody needs to be that way now. There's no other way to catch up with our times or live in this world where there's so much fast paced change. I really feel that I have this naturally because I don't know if you can develop this in some people. I don't know. I'm sure psychology looks into that too. Everybody should be learning every single day. Otherwise, you're going to be so behind. Things change in like so fast. You and I know, everybody knows now. You can't really sit still and say like, okay, I studied this in college and it's been 20 years and I'm going to use the same type of information I learned. there. No way. Everything, everything changes so fast. So yes, I feel lucky to be that kind of a person with natural curiosity and I love to learn. And my husband was introducing me to someone the other day. He says like, if there's a job to pay her to learn more and to read more, that's her ideal job. (laughs) And I believe I can go to college. I can go to conferences and read books all day long, every day.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. Did, did, just out of interest, just, just a curious question from my side. But did, you, did you ever think about going into academia? At yes, some point? I,
1: I am so surprised that I didn't as a young person. It would have been ideal for me. But the funny thing is I'm still thinking about it. So I was just reading somebody's like class that they did at Harvard. And it was about purpose. This morning a friend of mine sent me an article. And I am realizing in a nice way, those are the people that I'm most jealous of, I think. Every time I'm noticing my energy level when I meet new people, the ones that I'm most jealous of are the people who are in good academic positions and they're teaching what they love. And that reminds me, one of the books that I love the most was called Love. Leo Busaglia, I don't know how to say his right name. But he's an amazing guy. And he was teaching love in a college environment. And I was like in my, I think I was 18 when I read that book. I said, oh my God, you can't do this. So, but I didn't think that it could be me too. I just dropped it. I loved the idea. But yeah, but the good, good observation. Yes. Maybe we'll someday. I don't, I didn't give it up yet.
0: <laughs> love, love it, Brooke. I love it. It's it, it's so interesting for me because when I think about purpose and I think about what you just described around love. Yes. So you know, for anyone that's listening to us now, you know, you know, with the with the title of the podcast, people know it's a real human conversation. It's below the surface, but for some leaders to use the word love, it's oh, yeah. the, the, the the connotations, the under. Yes. So you know, how would you describe if you're going in to see a, maybe a new leader or there's a leadership team that. sort of curious about purpose but that word love really terrifies them How, how, how do you try and bridge that for some some people
1: so true and like when i heard it spoken at a public event probably 15 years ago in san diego i was like so in awe with that guy who was able to say love in the workplace i said really i mean yeah it was just like a taboo almost like my experience with talking about purpose 25 years ago was the same but if i do go to a leader i think i try to start with the word just like barry Waymiller just talks about this in his book too it should be about caring about people do you care about your people so because they are the daughter and son and sister and brother of somebody right so they are the precious one for someone who's coming to work with you do you care about your people because if it's a leader who don't care about people i don't think there's so much to be done right so instead of going exactly with the word love that's why i think care is a better word because you don't have to love everyone you you have a you're a loving person you might love a lot of people in your life but caring is such a better word in the business world. And people do respond to that. They can, they, they can say, yes, I care. And most people don't say, I don't care about them, even if it's the case, right? But it's very hard for them to say, I love my people. Those are the very, very wonderful CEOs that both you and I know and follow, but they're very rare.
0: So mm. so it's a lovely segue actually, Brooks. I'm really excited about an event you've got coming up uh, in a few weeks time called yes. Proof of Purchase with, well, a CEO that you and I both, and I will say, love. We care about him, but we also love him in Gary Ridge. Yes. So would you mind giving us and the listeners a bit of a lowdown? Where where did the inspiration for that event come from? And, yeah. and, and did you handpick the people that are going to be facilitating the day?
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking. Yes, I'm pretty excited about that. And... What, like First of all, before I even met Gary Ridge in person, the CEO and the chairman of WD-40, I was talking about him all the time. Like Because what I'm trying to do when I go with leaders is not to only share what I believe should be the way that we lead companies, right? They One thing for them to listen to what I believe in, but when I can show them great examples, they're more receptive. They want to hear what their other like competition is doing, what other CEOs are doing. So I always look for examples like that. And Gary Rich was obviously one of the people that I followed. I love their story, how he was able to create an amazing culture. And one thing that CEOs think that purpose is a good thing, but they never think it can also drive their numbers. They still don't connect the dots with that. But it's so obvious for me, since I was very young, I saw that people are motivated, who love what they do, when they find meaning at what they do, they work more. They're more productive, they're more engaged, they're more loyal. And that turns into more client satisfaction and that client satisfaction turns into more profit and also shareholder value. So we had it the opposite way for so long. So since I've been telling about them all the time, This time, like last year, I know we talked with you at the time when I met him because I know you met him in person too. Um, I got close to him. and started to have some great conversations with him. And then last year sometime I said like, why don't I invite him to one of the events? And I'm going to make it all around his dates and his availability because he's such a busy guy. And he's so kind and wonderful. Of course, he said Yes. Uh, for a date and then we try to make that happen around that date and what I'm mostly excited about is that people who are going to be there are going to listen from him firsthand what he did it's not me translating and talking about him it's going to be him who's going to inspire those people that things can be done very different than what people believe in the like 150 years that, that we've been in business in the industrial age that there's a possibility that you can really really care about your people and have a purpose which drives their business strategy you might have seen the cycle that they have that Gary always talks about like it does have purpose at the foundation of it mm-hmm. and it also has values then it all drives the business strategy and most businesses have it all the other side right And they don't even have a corporate soul. That's why I'm excited that we can maybe inspire more leaders in San Diego community uh, so that they get to know somebody like him and see, oh my God, there is a different way to run this business. So that's what I'm hoping for.
0: That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And for anyone that's kind enough to join us today, uh, you can find my conversation with Gary Ridge on episode 50 of the Value mm-hmm. Through Vulnerability podcast as well. Yes. And in terms of the other speakers you have, so of course, you have your yes. great self. You have Mike Panty and also yes. Enrique from Hacking HR, I believe.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, I forgot to answer that part of the question. Mike and I, of course, like you and Mike, we've been so great friends for so long. I think when I said, OK, I'm going to do something with Gary Rich, of course, it was so organic. In one of our conversations, we said, OK, why don't we do this in Human First event? And I, of course, I jumped on the idea, too. So I'm glad that he will be next to me. Of course, he's just like you, a great fan of mine now. And then Enrique like, is somebody that I have been following for a long time. But I met him a couple of months ago in San Diego. And I'm part of the first group to start the San Diego chapter of Hacking HR. So he wanted to join in. I was the perfect match for all of us. So I'm excited that two great guys who started amazing global movements are going to be with me and they understand what I speak about. And Mike actually came up with the title Proof of. Purpose instead of proof of purchase I think that was brilliant too. Yes, we are going to talk about proof of purpose and how it works in organisations. So I'm I'm really excited. Hopefully, things are going to get even more exciting as we come closer. Yeah.
0: Oh, amazing. Well, I will be honest, Brooke. There's a little bit of green, green, green-eyed monster over here, a little bit on the jealous side. <laughs> but um that's going it, because it, honestly, if if you're listening to this and you can get to this event, then do make sure you do because just yeah, the, the caliber of the speakers, and I'm sure the caliber of the guests will be, will be incredible. And what, what's your hopes? You know, if, if you're looking one week, two weeks, four weeks down the road after this event, Brooke, what, what are your hopes and aspirations following the event?
1: I think, like, I always, my, one of my goals and purpose is to increase the awareness around this in my community. So San Diego is my community, Southern California in the bigger sense. So we want to have more conversations around this, but turning conversations into real execution too. So hopefully we're going to increase more awareness. People will be inspired as they leave that room. First of all, to be a different kind of leader, whatever position they are. Yeah, you and I have a very different um, definition of leaders than a lot of people. They always tie it into a position. It's not about the position at all. So as I invite people, that's what I say. Whatever you're doing in your life, you're a leader of one kind. And if you're inspired to be a different one and a more caring one, that's going to make a big influence. So the hope is to have more people understand what we really mean by purpose. It's not a cute, wonderful, warm word, right? It's really something that can structure your business, and it's like that's what I want to really say more about in my conversations, in my speeches, because people still think, oh, what a nice, cute, nice word that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. No, it's not only that. I think science has helped us understand the neuroscience positive psychology, what motivates people. So it wasn't about money, it's not about the salary, although it's an important factor. We started to tap into a very different energy that people have which we didn't know before some people knew it by coincidence some people because they felt it in some of their jobs they felt like i'm doing so much contribution to the world by doing what i do on a daily basis because they're more conscious but for some people it was natural that they want to have meaning five days a week Uh, and not feel like they're wasting all their time until they retire, right? But I, I believe studying and some of the new fields of science, now they really know there is something more special about bringing meaning to your job, because it really taps into a different type of energy that you didn't know how to use. And the Best kind of leaders understand that and they know it's going to benefit every stakeholder, not only them as making more profit. Their people will be happier. The other stakeholders will be happier. The planet will be better because you're not harming the planet with anything you do. So I think that's, that's the part that people don't understand. The second is, like I said, they don't see the tie. They can't connect with that from having a purposeful business beyond profit. Which can drive your numbers to a really good place too. So that's the part that I want to say more about in these events and anywhere else. So, yeah,
0: it's wonderful. One of the things that comes up for me as you speak, Brooke, and linking back again a little bit to Gary Ridges' numbers at WD40 is there's a really simple comparison. We've had, yes. what for over a decade now, Gallup at one in three being fully engaged. Yes, which uh-huh. is so. So my my terminology here is for every dollar. That, that a company puts pays for salaries, they're getting 33 cents of value. I know,
1: crazy. Yeah, and when you yeah. think of it in
0: that term, and then you look at Gary Ridge, who's got 90% plus engagement, yes. yes. if I remember the number, and I might be getting this wrong, and I hope Gary corrects me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure that he said when I met him a couple of years ago, if they, didn't have, if they had the engagement stats that Gallup has, on mm-hmm. average globally, mm-hmm. they would have to employ something like 300 more employees, to do exactly the same job that their team does today.
1: Yeah, I bet, I bet. I totally agree with that, I'm sure it's true, yeah. Yeah, crazy. It's just the fact that people don't see this makes you cringe inside. That's why I feel like awareness and more knowledge and making sure people understand what this means is the biggest part for me. Because until they get that, they, they won't be convinced, they won't have an open mind but when they see like results of Gear ridge or any wonderful company out there who has a purpose and think about it. wg40 has making products like for repairs maintenance their purpose has nothing to do with that product that's the part that people like have lots of question marks when they meet me they say i don't know how to put my purpose of my company if they only think about the ngos the non-profit companies right because they really have a purpose. They can't really make that tie. And that's what I'm saying. It doesn't even have to be about your product. It's about your people. So, yeah, I mean, I can't say too much. You have to shut me off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not at all, not at all. Uh, so thank you for sharing about the event. It's, it, it, it sounds brilliant. What I'd like to move on to a little bit is, and you know, this, you know these conversations, Brooke, they're quite random. I love the fact that you've been endorsed by Doug Kirkpatrick. Let's let's go there for a second on your LinkedIn profile. So, you know, for anyone that doesn't know Doug, do go and have a look at his work. Does a lot around self-management and other areas. How, how did you come across Doug the first time and uh,
1: oh interested
0: in that, Brooke? Uh, that,
1: that is, again, the power of something more than you can even explain with your logical mind. But, like, first, one of my biggest mentors at first when I got into this work was Chuck Blakeman. So if you haven't watched his TED talk, he's one of the best talks and it just grabbed me. I wanted to do that TED talk. That's how I felt. I got so excited. So I got in touch with Chuck. And then at some point, because he's such an amazing human being too, he, he invited us to Denver to his offices. And in that same meeting, I met Doug which was, I don't know how many years ago now. And he was such a humble, what a wonderful guy with so much experience and everything, but really the most humble guy I've ever met, maybe. So I met him there. And then by coincidence, it's so funny. Somebody found me on Twitter the next year, probably. And they said, would you like to write for Huffington Post about great work cultures? Up of the blue. And I said, really? Of course I would. And then I realized this group of people meet every month on Zoom and Dr. Patrick was one of them. I said, oh my God, I met this guy in a whole different setting, but then of course in a very similar topic. And now I met these guys out of Twitter because they found me from what I wrote there, I guess. And then we ended up writing this book together, From Hierarchy to High Performance. So I've been in touch with them since that Denver meeting, but every month we get to get together. And he is one of the, I don't know, I don't know what to say about him. He is an amazing, amazing human being. And he's the best expert, one of the very few, I think, around the globe who knows about staff management. His new book, No Limit Enterprise, is phenomenal, I think, that just came out in 2019. Such a great human being, really. I love him, really.
0: Oh, yeah. a lovely endorsement. What I'd like to do is try and blend those two different areas in your experience, Brooke. Mm-hmm. Did you see a parallel between organizations moving from more hierarchical structures to self-management? And is purpose a key enabler of that, in your opinion?
1: I think so. It's one of them, I would say. And I think one of the good things that, of course, Doug always talks about and read, uh, and wrote in his book, and we discussed this in our group with him, Great Work Cultures a lot too, is that the fast cha- fast-paced change that we were talking about with you just a second ago is so vast that for to be Uh, catching up with our times, to be in sync with our times, you can't have that bureaucracy anymore. The ones who have the most bureaucracy, the ones who have so much hierarchy are not nimble enough. They're not flexible enough. They're not agile enough to be going through all these changes, right? You and I were discussing like we have to read, we have to develop ourselves, we have to do the inner work, but we have to read a lot, learn a lot. Well, when those companies, and I work for one of the huge ones, with layers and layers and layers of management and hierarchy, how are you going to be nimble enough to make those changes every day? You need to now, right? So purpose is the grounding force because it has to be there from the beginning. That would be the ideal one. That's why some new startups are doing a much better job because they have their purpose locked down right from the beginning. But to change a huge big company who has 400,000 people and come up with a purpose is much more difficult. But it grounds people and it just makes people feel like what they do on a daily basis, accounting or whatever, like engineering, is not only about that. They are changing the world with the technology that they're bringing or whatever the purpose of the company is, right? When you tie what you do on a daily basis to something bigger like that, it makes a huge shift in people's minds. So it is definitely the grounding factor, but I see from what I have been experiencing, it's very difficult for the ones who have so much hierarchy. That's the first part they have to let, let it go. And again, it's about egos and what we get used to, the mindset. I mean, it's very hard to make those changes, but I, I feel like there's no other way. There's no other way. Right? Right.
0: Do you know something? I I share your optimism, though. I do do believe the shift. We can all feel it with Humans First. We can feel this conversation, the volume in the last two years is like someone's put it onto maximum. I
1: know, I know, I agree.
0: And and, and how how does that feel for you as someone that's been in this space for like two decades? Do Do you really feel the time is coming?
1: Oh my God, I can't tell you enough. That's why I'm glad you opened, you started this conversation because the day that I was explaining to you when I was thinking about what's my purpose of working at IBM? What's my purpose in life? And I never was able to buy into the idea that I should be happy waiting for my weekends, waiting for a retirement. That felt crazy to me. How am I gonna like work for 30 years, 40 years and only enjoy my two days out of every week? never made sense to me but at the time i felt very very lonely there was nobody to talk to about this i'm not kidding nobody i just have a very supportive husband and he understands what i want to do because he's really living his own purpose too so we're all adamant about that but other than that there was nobody to talk to and i'm coming from a conventional family who thinks success is only related to the titles you promote and you go up and up and up in the road and feel happy somehow but now oh my god with everything in human first my great world cultures tribe my other tribes the hacking nature everything i can't believe This this is the time that we should really get this going and Even turn this from conversation in order to catch up with the times. All kinds of institutions need to change. Is how I yeah. It's
0: it's it's so exciting to hear, and like like you say, the fact that you can see it in these different elements of your network. You know the different tribes, as you call them. And I think that consciousness shift. You know, I, I didn't even realize. Consciousness was a, like awareness mattered until yes. five years ago. And I think it just shows you the, you know, the power of these socialized systems. Yes. And I think what you spoke about with the hierarchy, and I, I love people listening to us to join the conversation, is what always baffles me, Brooke, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that hierarchy isn't even a thing. It's made up. It's yep, a totally it thought-created structure.
1: Yes. Like, there's no yeah. physical
0: separation between any of it. Yeah, it's really fascinating how we conform to a made up structure.
1: Yeah, true, true. And we made it up all all the things that we, yeah, we made it up. And I think when you look at the history, the Taylorism, I think, is one of the worst things that happened to us because they really believe that people are mostly lazy or dumb for the most part. And when you assume that, think about you being a leader or starting a company, assuming this is true for your people. What are you going to do? You're going to micromanage them, manage, manage, manage them. That's why you need all those layers, right? It's just coming from that thought process. If you don't trust people and their potential, you're going to have hierarchies. So, but that's why it's getting eliminated and the new generation is not going to up with that. So I love the new generation. I have to say that. That's they are such a big part of this big push too. That's why a lot of companies who don't believe in what you and I say feel like they have to change because the the new generation is not staying with them. So that's their biggest pain point.
0: Very cool. As we start to look to wrap up, Brooke, as always, I could talk to you forever, but I'd like to speak to a lovely article that you wrote at the end of last year, which was called uh, Nine Practices that can make us happier in 2020. And I'd love just to sort of, for you to expand on a few of those. It might be helpful for our listeners to reflect on. And I yeah. think the first one I'd like to speak to, and we've sort of touched it a little bit, but I'd love you to explain a bit more. You said, remember, you are not your thoughts.
1: Yes. Oh, that's such a big, 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 big awakening in my life. Because I read a lot and about like trying to do my inner work and my inner personal transformation. That was a big, big aha moment for me. I think the first time I read so many books, but I think I learned it from Eckhart Tolle, like in his book. And when I real, and then there's Michael Singer, Unfettered Soul. His book is amazing too. Because he both of them talk about like realizing there's one in you who is observing the other you. Like you observe your thoughts, which is going 100 miles an hour, right? And it says all the crazy stuff to you as well. Maybe you drop something, you call yourself stupid. Or you go into a new startup and you say, oh, I I will fail big time. Who am I to do this, right? Anybody who's going after their passion and purpose, I mean, back to your podcast uh, topic, vulnerability is that, I think. Vulnerability is to go... And follow your passion and dream because you never know if it's gonna work out for you or not, right? So, and if you are not aware that you are not your thoughts, but it's just that mechanism in your mind for survival, it's giving you the safest things to do and not want you to take those risks. It's a huge, I mean, it made a huge difference in my life. I can only speak to myself. But if I didn't know that, I would just go and believe everything I say to myself. And like some of the best people that we both admire are saying the same things, if they're honest enough, that they always had self-doubt. They did feel the fear, but they did it despite the fear, right? It didn't stop them. But if you only listen to your thoughts, and some of them are usually horrible, what are you going to do? If you believe it's all of them are true, so yeah, thank you for pointing that one out because it's. I think it's very different. It's very difficult for people to grasp that, unless you read a lot about this and understand what this is all about. But it's a huge part to go in your own path. I think.
0: Yeah, it it, it resonates so much with me because I only, as as you know, it's only literally the last eighteen months that I realized this very, very topic, and it's not about yeah just just the fact that the stories we tell ourselves so I spoke oh, about right. it at hacking h r with our friend yes. our mutual friend Jodia Rojo in Switzerland. Yes. Oh, you know one right. of my slides actually said becoming aware to the stories yes. we tell ourselves is transformational
1: oh, yes, yes. <laughs> you know
0: Absolutely. it it, it, yes. it's, it sounds so bold, but it really is just giving ourselves permission to stop, slow down, and just check in with those thoughts. Do they serve me, or do they not? yeah?
1: I know, I agree. Yeah, the stories is a definitely better way to put that. We have so many stories, unfortunately. And I think Claudia Silver and I talked about that too. We both went to an education called Landmark Education, which is all around the world too. That is one of the best things anybody can do for themselves. That's why they have no marketing because people like me talk about it all the time. That was a great place in three days to show how many stories we make up and how it doesn't only like shape our future today but i mean past and today but also future and if we get rid of them you are so much more free to do anything you want in your life so it's amazing it's amazing it's hard to grasp the idea right away when you hear about it i don't know if that was your case too when you first heard it but then it makes so much sense yeah
0: Lovely. And just one more of your nine recommendations for 2020, which I love, and it brings this whole conversation beautifully together, is you speak about purpose and actually you, you offer the invitation to people to ask, what would I change in the world if I can?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's one of the things when I go with one-to-one clients that's the, one of the questions that I um, bring up with them. It's one of the best places to start because there's so many issues in the world that we can be a part of, right? And whatever speaks to your mind your heart the most, and if your heart really, like it's to be feeling so sad about one part of the life that you see that you have experienced, and you want to be a solution to that not a whole solution that's one of the things that people are scared of they want to make sure that whatever their purposes makes the headlines no we all have a ding if we only can make a ding in what we do that's all good right and then we get to meet people like ourselves when you're so focused on what your purpose is, you get to meet people just like yourself. That's what happened to me. How did I meet you? How did I meet Mike online that would have never happened 20 years ago, right? But all of us are so clear in our values and what we want to change in this world. That's why we got together. So everybody can do the same. And I am passionate about so many other things too i want to i'm educating girls back in turkey because we are in a horrible situation there i mean all of that is really leaping my heart faster too but what i have lived through and experienced was the horrible environments we create in the work environment in in, in the offices that we have in the businesses we have that's what i wanted to change in the little little smallest sense So if people ask that question to themselves, they will find what they're passionate about. And I always say, it doesn't even have to be your career, your job, but do something about it. Be maybe working for a nonprofit who works on that, right? You don't have to always make money out of it. If that's your career, wonderful. But people sometimes are so afraid to dig into this because they feel like they have to change all their lives or they, their last twenty years was all went goes to waste. No, nothing goes to waste. So, yeah. Thank that's,
0: you. No, that's lovely. And it, you're such a great role model for what you're speaking to as well, because volunteering, you know, you're, you're a yeah. great advocate for volunteering. You, know, you look at your LinkedIn yes. profile, there's a lot of different yes. areas you've worked in. And I think there is something around change. Like one of my biggest learnings the last few years is that change is always incremental. It is never Big Bang change. Yes. Nothing is ever transformative in one year. You know, and I, one of my best experiences of this was 3D printing. Like, uh-huh. I, I thought it was a new thing. Apparently, uh-huh. it started back in the 1970s. Really? I don't yeah.
1: even know that. So, so, so
0: it's been, so if you think, so it's, it's a really interesting, yes. you know, we always see the headlines, but you yes. don't see the work that goes on. Before the thing hits the headlines.
1: Oh, I agree. I agree. And that's why I think people want to feel like, okay, I've done something extraordinary and all of a sudden it's all out there in the world. No, it doesn't have to be that way. And that keeps them from starting something that they really care about. It's really the smallest steps that we can all take that's going to make the biggest difference, right? Yeah.
0: Lovely. Let me give you the last word. You've been an absolute joy, Brooke. I knew this would be fun. Thank it's just you. awesome. Thank you. What would you like to leave the listener with, a reflection or a thought as, a, as, as we finish this conversation today?
1: I think the biggest thing, because I'm talking to so many people, is that what I have maybe said a little bit like a few minutes ago is that purpose doesn't have to make the headlines. And when you are searching for your purpose, you don't always come up with the answer the next day. So don't give up on that. And it doesn't mean you have to change everything in your life. But if you integrate something that you really care about, it, it's going to make your life more fulfilling. Because again, science has proven that the most sustainable form of happiness is to have meaning in your life. It's not about making money. It's never about the stuff. Those things make you happy for a split seconds. As soon as you have that house, that car, it's gone. So what's most sustainable is to wake up every morning and say, okay, I have my little ding that I'm going to do today in this type of work because I care about it. And people are not conscious of it, but I think I believe it at least 100% that we all have this intrinsic yearning to contribute. And that's why some people, when they retire and they do nothing, they die. Because it's it's really not very health, uh, health, uh, healthy to even retire. And they put this whole big image about retirement in front of us. It feels like it's going to be a bliss. It doesn't. And I have so many examples of that. So that's, the, I think, the most important message. And it's not, it's not a very cute, warm, fuzzy word, purpose. There's so much more into it in our personal lives, in our work lives and we can do a little bit of that and it's definitely making us happier
0: and more fulfilled so thank you thank you so much Brooke. how can people find you what's the best way to contact you uh- So.
1: Yeah, LinkedIn, probably if you look at Brooke Errol, I do right there, and as you know, and thank you for even looking into some of the stuff that I did and being so prepared to ask me the best questions. You're such a star. Thank you, Gary. Um, And also, like, my net at the end. People try to do that. Purposeful.business is where my business um, blogs and everything exists, so they can also reach there, too. Love to exchange the same type of ideas and be part of these conversations and hear good stories. I always accumulate good stories about purpose and how companies who care about their people do better. So thank you.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. And I'll also make sure we add all of these details to the show notes, plus a link to your event, which will be coming up within a couple of weeks when this goes out. So all the best with the event and give big hugs to everyone for me, Brooke.
1: Yes, sure, I will. I wish you were there or I could come to the March one. I know you're going to be in United States and get closer, but I don't think I'll make it. But thank you so much for the very thoughtful questions. Thank you, Gary. It's always a pleasure.
0: Likewise. Thanks, Brooke. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi there, your podcast host, Gary, just wrapping up this lovely conversation uh, with my friend Brooke Errol. Um, A few of the things I wanted to share with you that really struck me um, were when Brooke spoke about the fact that one thing that CEOs think that purpose is a good thing, but they never think it can also drive their numbers. They still don't connect the dots. And I speak a lot about moving from just our head towards our head plus our heart. It's not either or, it's and. And I truly believe that and I've experienced that over the last years at my work organization. When we truly allow ourselves to tap into our inner humanity and our connected humanity with others and not just staring at the metrics, there's some really wonderful stuff that can happen. I also enjoy, Brooke, saying about the fact that purpose is the grounding force because it has to be there from the beginning. That's why some startups are doing a much better job because they have their purpose locked down right from the beginning. I wonder what you think when you hear that. Now, how can you personally um, evolve or uncover your purpose and how can you do that in community, at work or outside of work? I'd love to hear from you. Um, I also enjoyed Brooks speaking about the fact that it's really the smallest steps that we can all take that make the biggest difference. Such a beautifully succinct comment, but so profound. You know, if we look at um, the XB SkyB cycling team, they spoke a lot about marginal gains. you know, change is incremental. I remember being with Next Jump on their leadership academy last June in 2019, and they spoke about biologically. And I don't have the evidence data here, but um, sort of conceptually, it makes sense to me that we can only change two percent at a time. It's physically impossible to sustain change that's any bigger than two percent at a time because the system will just reject it. Does that make sense to you? Um, maybe you've got the research. Let me know if you want to challenge it. Also, do that. And finally, it was interesting, Brooke spoke about care being a better word to use rather than love in the workplace. Um, You can care about everybody, but you don't have to love everybody. And I think there's something really powerful in that as well. So yeah, I'm really reflective after this um, podcast. Beautiful conversation. so grateful for Brooke joining us. But again, the San Diego event, February the 13th, Gary Ridge, Enrique, Brooke and Mike Vacanti. If you can be there, be there. If I could be, I would be. Have fun if you do go. Tell me all about it. Um, If you can't go, please do let Brooke and I know what you take away from this conversation. We'd really appreciate that. And also, something that's quite new to me, um, I didn't realise, but you can actually leave voice memos against a podcast um, if you listen on the Anchor app. So if you feel moved to, um, I'd really appreciate it if you left a comment letting us know what you think. Good, bad or indifferent, but ideally, hopefully, it's... uh, offered some value to you today and you can find me at Gary IP Catalyst. That's my Twitter handle, G-A-R-R-Y, or you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. Love to hear from you. Love to know what's resonated, what you challenge. Until next time, this was a wonderful conversation, episode 92 of the podcast with Brooke Errol. Really hoping that you enjoyed that exploration on the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. You can find out much more about HEXO Change at hexochangenow.com. That's H-E-X-O Change Now, one word, dot com. You can subscribe to a weekly newsletter at that website, which includes information about live stream conversations, further service offerings, blogs, but also our in-person events of which we have multiple each year. So I really hope that you'll join us Do connect with me, Gary Turner, on LinkedIn, and I really hope to hear from you soon.